0: Hello, I'm Scott Walter, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. Today, we're joined by a very special guest, Armstrong Williams. He is one of the authors of a very exciting new book, sure to generate a great deal of controversy, called Crisis in the Classroom. He is one of the three authors. The other two authors are Dr. Ben Carson, uh, most famous for his run as a presidential candidate, and Benjamin Crump, Esquire, uh, famous as a left-leaning civil rights lawyer uh, who has represented such clients as Michael Brown uh, and others in police disputes. Now, uh, I want to start, Armstrong, with you and ask you first just to tell us how did this book come about? It's fascinating that three such different... uh, characters would come together to write a book on uh, crisis in the classroom?
1: Well, um, you know, we uh, at Howard Sterk Holdings, our broadcast company is involved um, with um, television properties around the country. And w- one of the issues that arose during the pandemic was the fact that kids were learning virtually and no longer were in the classroom. And as a result of this, um, parents began to learn things about their children's education, what they were being taught and what they were being exposed to that's just sent shockwaves across the country from Loudon County um, to schools in the Deep South to the, to the Midwest. Parents really learned a lot about how their children were being indoctrinated. And so we started creating these um, town halls called crisis in the classroom where parent, we gave um, parents uh, and educators and, and students a platform to fight back uh, against um, not emphasizing the, necess- the necessities of math, English, history, and science. and instead of this push for indoctrination of CRT, transgenderism, this political correctness. And, and you couple that with the fact of the impact that many of these families did not have the best connections to broadband, and oftentimes they would be connected, disconnected virtually from the classroom, and the parents would have no idea that the kid's not even in the classroom until much later, just, just uh, a nightmare, Scott. And so we started um, creating these platforms where parents began to speak out. And then we learned particularly um, in the Baltimore school system, which is literally a stone's throw um, from Washington, D.C., how dismal the education was in Baltimore. So Baltimore sort of became the um, sounding board for the rest of the country. I mean, you had this situation with ghost kids where the kids were not in class, hadn't been in class for two or three years, uh, and still the school was getting $17,000 per pupil. Uh, and and once we started this investigation into how in the world can a kid get a passing grade or get a diploma and they never were in the classroom, and how unethical and criminal behavior, the fact that you could still – benefit from the government largest and not even educating the kids. And so uh, all this coupled with the fact that the GPA of the Baltimore City school system was a, like a 1.0, 1. 1. 1.5. It's just unprecedented. And and so we um, got involved with a lawsuit against the Baltimore school system where nothing like this has ever Passed the mustard of the court system before, where we sued the Baltimore School City School city System, saying that these kids, these parents have a right that their parent, that their kids get a quality education, and the fact that you're robbing them of the American dream, you are crippling them, them, um, you're robbing them of real self-esteem, self-worth, and real skills that navigate being able to provide themselves for themselves and their families. And so, the lawsuit was filed, and and. My very good friend, Ben Crump, who I've known for some time, uh, we know each other's families. And while we may have different political ideologies, we still care about issues. There are things that we believe that we can come on, to come together on for the greater good. And so when this lawsuit was being filed, I've been mentioning to Attorney Crump, this is something that you should really be a part of. I mean, I know you represented George Floyd. Um, uh, you've represented... Um, Uh, Trayvon Martin and you're involved in all these high-profile cases where it involved law enforcement and you believe that um, blacks um, black lives don't really matter but what about education if you were able to connect these dots and make sure that these kids were being educated in these public schools with quality teachers quality resources with broadband and teachers that really care until these, instead of these kids just skating their way through school, through the school system being graduated, because you want to, you don't want to fail them because if you fail them and they're no in your system, it costs you, um, you lose money as a result. And so finally, when the lawsuit uh, was about to be filed, he read enough on it and he studied this. He said, you know what? This is just as important as, uh, the maybe more important than the work that i do in terms of social justice because i have a my my wife is a school teacher and i have a daughter in the school system and she tells me of the horror stories of the school system and he said it may not be politically correct and and then one morning he woke up he had this this moral moment where he realized that that education is the next civil rights in this country and if he doesn't step up to the plate he would have failed an entire generation and so when he decided to join the lawsuit. And eventually the judge uh, against all kinds of pressure moved that the lawsuit would go forward the first time in the history of the United States. And I'm certain that attorney Crump's presence on this matter uh, had a great impact. And so, because we were making such progress with crisis in a classroom, you know, Dr. Carson and I, I have uh, um, involved with this campaign I've been his business manager for a very long time, I said, you know, it's just not enough that we bring this to broadcast television and we have press conferences. Maybe we should take what we learn and what we're doing and collaborate and put this into a book Um, because that's a whole different artist. Let's commit ourselves where we write this book and all of us write our different aspects of what the crisis is in education. Because remember, H.G. Wells uh, famously noted that civilization is a race between education and catastrophe. And George Washington in his first State of the Union address underscored the nexus between the education and constitutional governance celebrating liberty and the rule of law. And he believed that knowledge is in every country the surest basis, not only of public happiness, a peace, a lowering crime, a building character, a building stability. Um, and, and it was one in which the measures of government received their impressions so immediately from the sense of community, as in ours, it is proportionally essential that kids are educated. This is from the founding fathers, and so when we made the argument, we decided—and believe it or not, Scott—we wrote this book in three weeks. This book was written in three weeks. Everybody made the sacrifice, made the dis- had the discipline. They realized it was so important, and it was published by Scott Harris Scott Publishing. So this is how it, it really came about.
0: Well, that's very exciting, and again, probably the most surprising thing is uh, that a uh, a prominent non conservative like Ben Crump would be working alongside you and Ben Carson in this. Um, has that you know? It, I I know that it can be very dangerous for people on the left to dissent in any way from the standard left wing consensus on any issue, so. Uh, how is Mr. Crump doing both between uh, being involved in that Baltimore lawsuit and being involved in this book
1: project? You know, listen, character matters. And leadership is not black or white. It's not rich or poor. It requires courage. And, you know, you have this thing called positional leadership where people will listen to you because you're in a position of authority, whether you're the president. Our general or superintendent or principal. But then there's this personal leadership where people follow you and believe in you because of your res- of respect, because you're willing to take up causes that most people are not willing to make the sacrifice to have the bow and arrows and the shots fired at them. And you know, and those are the kind of leaders that show real character uh, and show that it's not always about left and right, a Republican and Democrat. It's about what is best for our country in the long run, because, you know, uh, one of the things that we realize is is that education is in a free fall in this country, despite the climate per pupil expenditures that we spend on it. And so each year, if you think about this, the collective IQ, our knowledge, leaders in the city of of, of this country, believe it or not, plunges to new depths of ignorance, even members of Congress. Um, think about this, are clueless about the three branches of government and the allocation of constitutional responsibilities. They're totally ignorant about it. I mean, students know virtually nothing about history or even Watergate or Vietnam War. And the alphabet, if you think about this, has not escaped extinction as emojis, displace literacy, masterpieces such as we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by the Creator with certain inalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so you have to ask yourself, what explains the paradox of our epidemic of illiteracy and the riches of instantly available wisdom and learning, um, like water, water everywhere, nor any drop to drink from the rhyme of the ancient mariner? What explains it? And so the indolence, indolence and indifferences of educators, parents, and students alike, I mean, Listen, it is said that genius is ninety-nine percent perspiration and one percent inspiration. And Crump is an inspirational figure. And and, and, and here's that has been the best part. When Crump, he thought he would be vilified. He thought he would be an outcast. But when parents of all races especially these black parents and these kids would walk up to him in airports, walk up to him at engagement, say, thank you so much for standing up for our kids. This is not about black and white. This is about whether you're educated or not. This is about whether you're ignorant or whether you're intelligent. And thank you so much for standing up for him. And see, that's what happens sometimes. You never know what happens when you shoot an arrow in the dark, where it's going to land, who's going to be inspired by it. What's going to water it? And those parents have said, we're definitely not in lockstep with leadership when we drive up to the school and we see these Mercedes and these fancy vehicles. Uh, and yet our kids are becoming more and more disfranchised along the way. And so what Crump was able to do was show his courage and background backbone and also give parents hope that their parents, their people who are willing to cross the political aisles for the greater good. And the greater good is education.
0: Well, Armstrong, that that tracks very well with the first essay that you wrote in this book, where you talk about a crisis of dissent, that within minority communities in big cities where they have some of the worst education problems, people have to be brave like Mr. Crump and dissent from the cozy conventional uh, platitudes. But that leads me to uh, to the second essay you wrote, which is on the crisis of transparency. So if parents for instance, in a Baltimore, place like Baltimore, see uh, uh, a prominent man like Mr. Crump stand up and dissent from the everything's okay or it must all be white supremacist fault or you know, there's not enough money and stuff, you know, bogus things like that. The next step is that those parents are going to need to be able to know exactly what's going on. Is that what you're talking about when you talk about a crisis of transparency?
1: Well, um, as Associate Justice Louis Brandeis once said is that sunshine is to be the best disinfectant and the electric lamp, the most efficient policeman. And so um, government does a terrific job, unfortunately, of weaponizing this veil of secrecy, Scott, to deceive and brainwash and to manipulate and to control the public. Uh, and, 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 and the problem is transparency is one of, if not the key line in the sand of a healthy nation, you know, when we were going through these lawsuits, especially in the court, um, these educators and these leaders were just bold faced lie about what the situation was. When they asked about the ghost students, they asked about the GPA averages. And, but yet the fact is what happens when a lawsuit is allowed to go forward there's this thing we call discovery where you can say anything when you're not on the a court um, uh, instructions where you cannot go in and just lie to the judge um, because then you will be hit with perjury. And so what happens is their rhetoric versus the real facts when we do discovery shows that it's very misleading. There have been lies and, and and the preponderance of evidence make the situation far w- worse then you could imagine. I remember this story in Baltimore, where a teacher reported that she was instructed to manipulate test scores to graduate students. And when the and when this information was received, they conducted an urgent investigation. Investigation and upon discovering more evidence, just think about this it, grade fixing, and they immediately notified the Baltimore school system. And they were informed that the Baltimore school system said they would investigate. How are you going to have the fox, who is the perpetrator of the hen house, investigate themselves? And so we had this Freedom of Information Act, which we requested to get the study purporting to demonstrate that what they were saying was just unfounded. And after a lengthy battle, the Baltimore School System District ultimately issued the study. And the released study consisted of 12,000 pages. Think of this a black line redacted material, which effectively covered the whole report. And so we had to file a lawsuit to get the unredacted report. And after a second lawsuit, the district ruled in favor of us compelling them to release an unredacted copy of the cover. And and, uh, And what was discovered was just unbelievable. And so as government actors cause more problems it is likely that people like us in the media and the media does not always hold them accountable we have to strive to expose these reprehensible activities by these administration officials in these schools who will confront a seemingly insurmountable onslaught of negative press and just spurious spurious accusations so we have to be the ones to hold them accountable because we know, and it's unfortunate, they will absolutely lie and mislead. Uh,
0: I, I'm with you, Armstrong. I'm with you. That's great. Well, let me let me get to another crisis that your book talks about, uh, and that is one that uh, Mister Crump himself describes in an essay on the crisis of entrepreneurship. Um, people would not necessarily immediately think about the connection between entrepreneurship and education or why entrepreneurship is a, is actually a really important thing in poor communities. Uh, can you help understand that?
1: Well, listen, um, you've got to be able to communicate and you learn to communicate by English, communicating with people, um, how to put, you learn how to negotiate, um um there's just so many things and you also learn basic math um to make sure uh and numbers to make sure that you're not exploited because i mean you i mean the prime example is a lot of these athletes that don't necessarily graduate from college or graduate from high school and how four or five years after they're in their league they're bankrupt because they're agents And others just exploit them because the bottom line, if you don't have an education, people can exploit you and take advantage of you because you don't know if your money is being stolen. You don't understand how taxes work. You don't understand how investments work. And so the problem is you're no more than a slave because you're totally controlled control by somebody who's educated and knows how to take money out of your bank account and you don't realize it's even being taken in the process. So a quality education is so important to make sure that what you work so hard to achieve that it's not exploited and stolen from you by somebody else who's sole profession it's to exploit your lack of knowledge, your lack of information, your lack of understanding to create wealth for themselves. That wraps part one
0: of CRC President Scott Walter's interview with television host and author Armstrong Williams. Please join us next week for part two when CRC's research director and teacher union expert Mike Watson joins the show to discuss with Walter and Williams the role of the teachers' unions and where we go from here. If you liked this podcast, please do give it five stars wherever you get your podcast, and definitely tune in next week.